Thank you so much. If you'll take your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter number two, Luke chapter number two, it's always a, a privilege to be here and for pastor to give up a Sunday morning is, is rare, I'm sure, and uh, it's an honor. I love the Stensis family. I'm, I'm excited they're here. They were, they were just at our church like a month and a half ago, and so, hey, long time no see, but uh, you'll be blessed tonight if you come back. In fact, I'm just going to preach the message he preached when he was at our church, just to mess with him, because he's going to probably preach that same one tonight, but... Uh, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding, but uh, I wanted to uh, just encourage you to get around them. They're wonderful, wonderful people, and uh, we love them very much. It's always a privilege to be with you guys. Of course, uh, been, uh, I, I worked here for a year, interned, I guess is the word, my senior year of college, way, way back in 2006. Uh, that seems just very, very far away right now, uh, but uh, just keep, I, I'm, I'm turning 40 next year. And I wouldn't say I'm at a midlife crisis. I think I'm, I think I'm after my midlife. I don't think I'm going to make it to 80, but I'm in a crisis sometimes. Like, I'm like, do I get a sports car? Do I get like a Lexus at this point? You know, do, what do I get now that I'm, I'm at this point? I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But uh, so, yeah, next year, the big 4-0. And uh, I know, I know. I don't look it. That's what people tell me anyway. But... Uh, I feel it, all right, but it's good to see you folks here. I am so glad that you're in church today. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great Christmas season, and uh, one of my favorite things is that when uh, Halloween, when Thanksgiving is over, you can start preaching the Christmas messages, right? And uh, so I I have a a Christmas thought for you this morning that I want to give you as you're in your Bibles at Luke chapter number two, and I would encourage you, if, if you're a guest today, if you're visiting and uh, this is your first time here, second time here, come back and hear Pastor Ray, okay? People all over the world come to hear Pastor Ray when he speaks places, so you want to hear him, and I encourage you to come back and hear that, and uh, you'll be greatly blessed because of that. Faith and I have been in Long Beach 17 years now. We are 16 miles away from Disneyland, so most of you, we know you because you don't come to visit us, but you come to our church because you're going to Disneyland, all right? And uh, so that's where everybody comes to Long Beach for. We are a mile from a mile and a half from Compton, California, if you know where that is, and, uh, and L.A. is just 11 miles this way and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very inner city type ministry, and I've got stories galore, but uh, you didn't come for that today. But it's, we've, we've loved it, and uh, we're enjoying Long Beach, and I'm sure you're loving Napa as well where you're at, okay? Luke chapter number two, I want to preach a message uh, this morning entitled The, the Moving Parts of of the Christmas story, the moving parts of the Christmas story. And, and you know, I, preaching for so many years as I have, and, and I don't know think that I'm good at it, but uh, I've done it for many years, and you preach new Christmas messages every year. Well, there's not a ton of material you know, in the Bible about it, but uh, about Christmas in general, that time of year. But uh, so we always look for new things. But uh, the Lord gave me something I want to share with you. And I think where you may be in your life, this may be a help to you. If you have felt like in the past or maybe where you're at now, that things can be a little chaotic, that things can be, uh, 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 you know, seem like there's no rhyme or reason why certain things are happening in life. I want you to know that you're not alone in that. Look at Luke chapter two, verse one. The Bible says, and it came to pass in those days. That there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world, all the world should be taxed. 
Everybody, everybody in Roman rule, everybody that is in the known uh, Roman ruled world at that time is going to be taxed. And we all love taxing, right? Tax season is the most fun time. Most wonderful time of the year is Christmas. No, it's April, right? No, no one loves that. No one loves taxes. But hey, he's deciding the whole world will be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed. Everyone. All, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So can you imagine if Caesar Biden just said, all of a sudden, you, you, you now have to go back to your hometown to pay your taxes. If that's what our president said, of course, he's not a Caesar, but if that's what he said, I mean, we'd be like, what? You know, if you were, I was born in Arkansas, now I got to drive back to Little Rock to pay my taxes? You know, that would be a miserable thing. I wouldn't want to do that. And, and what's happening here is a, a, a 90 mile journey on foot for Joseph and Mary to get back to Bethlehem to pay their taxes. And so it was, verse 6, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this uh, great group of people that you've given, uh, that you've brought here this morning. And uh, God, I'm glad to see that people are in church in Napa. And I'm hopeful and praying that people are in church in Long Beach. And I pray that this morning, God, you would just work in this message. You'd speak with us and, and help us to get some things today that would really be a blessing and a help to where we are in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many times have you moved? Like moved as in you lived here and now you live here. And as some people, maybe even in here, you've lived in Napa your whole life. Maybe you've lived in the same house your entire... Anybody lived in the same house your whole life here? Anybody? A, f- a few of you, all right? Probably some of the younger ones especially. But uh, m- many of us have moved many times. I was, like I said, I was born in Arkansas, and uh, we lived in and then Texarkana, then we li- went to Illinois, then we came back to Arkansas. But when I was 10, we had our first big move, and that was we moved to Germany. My dad worked for the government, so we, he, was, he was either Korea, Alaska, or Germany, I think is what the options were. And so we decided, Germany! And on my 10th birthday, on my 10th birthday, uh, the, the birthday present I got was a 12 hour airplane ride from Dallas to Frankfurt when you could still smoke on the airplanes. That, you know, and that's what I got for my birthday. And, and they used to have, and you, some of you remember this, a smoking section. It's like the smoking section was these rows and then you're in the next row. Guess what? The whole plane is the smoking section. And that's what it was for 12 hours. And I was like, wonderful. Then we moved back. We have moved many, many times. Since we've been in Long Beach, we've moved from apartment to apartment to apartment to apartment to finally a house uh, about four years ago. Moving's not very fun. I don't like to move. I find that uh, for, for young people, it can be scary. It can be intimidating. But you know what? As I read the Christmas story, and I hope that you will read it this year as well. I know you will. I noticed something interesting. I noticed the verbs. I noticed the verbs that are used, and this is not an English lesson, but if you'll notice in this passage, everybody's going somewhere. Everybody's moving. All of a sudden, one guy makes a decision, and everybody is thrown off kilter. 
Everybody now has to do something. Everybody's got to move. Everybody has to do something they're uncomfortable with. Did you see it there in verse number one? It came to pass in those days there went a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. So, And, and then we, we read there in verse three, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And so, you know, we see that all of a sudden everybody starts to move because of one person. So Caesar says everybody's to be taxed. So now there's messengers going out. It's not like he just put it out on Facebook that everybody's going to have to go pay their taxes. That wasn't a thing, of course. And so now messengers are going out. And now people are receiving the message. And look what it does to the people here. It says in verse 3 that everybody went to be taxed. Verse 4, it says that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are now going to have to take this 90-mile walk with an expectant mother. How does that sound, ladies? Let's take this 90-mile quick little jaunt over four or five days. When my wife was expecting uh, our last baby, Kelly, uh, this was four years ago, we decided on my 35th birthday, we're going to go to, uh, gonna go to uh, 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 not Mount Zion, what's it called, Zion, Zion National Park in Utah. And so we took a trip, and we're going to go to Zion National Park, we're going to go to some of these great places. Well, she is eight months pregnant at the time, because Kelly was born the next month. And so we're out there trekking through the mountain. I'm having a great time. She, not so much, because she's eight months expecting, trekking up these, these, it probably was not the right time to go. But that's what's happening here. And then in verse 7, look at this, it says that she brought forth her firstborn son. Even Jesus is moving. He's inside the womb, now he's outside the womb. In verse 15, it came to pass as the angels were gone away from him into heaven. So angels are moving now. Angels are coming down and talking and going back. Everybody's moving. It says in verse 15 and 16 that there were shepherds in the field. And the shepherds were getting the message from the angels. And so now the shepherds are moving and they're going to see the Messiah born. Verse 20, the shepherds are going back, moving with others. And so it's just over and over and over again. And then just two last verses here in verse 22. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So again, there's more movement taking place. So there's there's not a lot of stability happening. We just see everybody moving. Everybody moving, everybody going somewhere. And then at the very end, last verse we'll read here for a little bit, verse 39. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Oh, finally, after all this time, right? After, you know, so they, they had to go to be taxed. Then there's the whole stable incident. Then there's all these things happening. And now they go to the temple, they dedicate Christ, and now they get to come back home. And so everything's fine, right? No, everything's not fine. If you read Matthew chapter number 2, you find that four times the angel came to, came to uh, 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 Joseph and said, Joseph, you need to move. And so four more times we see that Joseph and Mary had to get up and go to Egypt now and then come back over here. And all of that moving does things. You know, I found a long time ago that... I don't like to be moved. Amen. I, don't, I don't like to be moved. I like to decide when I move. 
I have a pet peeve. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I got a lot of pet peeves, okay? But, uh, but uh, one of my big pet peeves, and this is such a selfish thing. I'm just going to confess. Brother Steve, you look like a father. I'll just confess to you this morning. But no, I, I hate it when people do this to me. Pastor! And what I want to do is, you come here! I'm talking to somebody, you know, hey, how you doing? God bless you. You've been in the hospital how long? Pastor! I'm like, and it drives me absolutely crazy. And there's a couple men in my church where I just have kind of, like, and I know I can with them because we're close, and they'll say, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. I'm like, no! I'm across the auditorium. You want to talk to me? You come here. And I'm just so bent out of shape, you know. i got to go preach now. But uh, I, I don't know. It's just something about it. I don't know why it drives me crazy. I'm like, do your legs work? Your legs work? No, I don't do that, all right? But, but for something like, for some reason, it just bugs me. I, 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 don't, I don't like to be moved. I, I like to decide. You know, we, we're creatures of habit. Some of you, uh, you've gone to the same barber for 40 years. Uh, some of you don't need one anymore, amen, you know what I'm talking about? But uh, some of you, you have the same chair, that 70-year-old recliner that, you're, you know, that you've had in your, in, in your house forever, and that's your chair. Some of you today are sitting in the same seat that you've always sat in. And if anybody ever has the audacity to sit in your seat, oh man, you're about to lose it. Because how dare they sit in your seat? You pay tithes here. You, 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 so you earn, that, that's in our mind sometimes, but we like that seat. Somebody sits in our seat, it's like, I don't even think we ought to come here anymore. I, we're going to have to go home. And I don't even know what to do anymore. Because we're that way with things. We, we, we love the same, even the same shaving cream. You probably go to the same Taco Bell. Jefferson, right? Isn't that where it is? And I was like, that's the one. You go to the same grocery store. Some of you are Vaughn's people. I have seen in our Vaughn, we have a Vaughn's that we go to, uh, maybe it's Safeway for you guys, sorry, Safeway for you, Vaughn's for, it's the same thing. I've seen one of our church members there a hundred times, because he's always at that same store, but we're creatures of habit. My dad, my dad is, uh, uh, you know, he's 5'8", he's uh, Irish to the core, he's got this bright red beard. As long as I have known my father, which is 39 years, the man has worn 501 blue jeans. Levi's, 501 blue jeans. Like, that's it. I, I, I think I can remember in my life seeing him once or twice wear a pair of khakis when he started coming to church. He got saved when I was about a, a senior in high school. And, and when he, I, I think for, and he was here at this church for our wedding when me, my wife and I got married. And I think, I think, if I go, I wouldn't be shocked to find out that he wore 501s but, but to our wedding. But I think he actually, my mom got him to wear some black dress pants as he sat down here. But uh, I'm pretty sure he was the whole time, like, I hate these. You know, because I think he's had the same pair of 501s for 45 years. But he is a creature of habit, and that's how we are. We don't like when God starts shaking things. But can I tell you, sometimes when our situations in life, when things start moving, and everybody is moving, and, there, and it seems to be chaos, and there seems to be a lot going on in our life, is sometimes it can be like, you know, well, I don't want to move, I don't want to do anything, and we fail to realize that it may be that God is rustling your nest. It may be that God is moving you because he's thinking ahead more than you ever could. See, God doesn't just play checkers, God plays chess. 
Any, any chess players in here? Any chess players? All right, a couple nerds. All right, good. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm a chess player. I'm a chess player. I'm not a particularly good one, but I've played since I was a kid. My, father, my, my grandfather was amazing at it. He was ranked as something. I don't know. But uh, I, I like to play chess. I like to try to think moves ahead. And I'm not great. The most I could ever think ahead was maybe three, maybe four moves ahead and to kind of see how it would go. And uh, that's about it. But can I say, when you start a chess game, and you chess players know, there are literally billions, billions of combinations of moves that you can do before you even put one uh, pawn forward. Billions of combinations. And I want to say today that we often forget that God can see every single move on the board before you can. Every single one of them. So why don't we like uh, uh, to be moved? We like to sing that song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. But we like to sing it like, I'm not going anywhere, Lord. I'm not doing anything, God. Don't, Don't move me. That's the wrong spirit of the song. Why don't we like to be moved? Just a couple of quick reasons, because movement brings instability. When we're constantly moved from where we are comfortable, it can bring instability. We've got four kids. I have built more Lego towers than I could even tell you about. But sometimes you get there and you're building the Lego Tower of Babel. You know, you're trying to like, we can reach to the sky. I really think we can if we get that base right. And so we get the tower going. And at a certain point... When you get the tower of the Legos up, and then someone just walks by, and you're like, how dare you just walk by, you know, like the the wind and the floor rattling, and then that tower starts to wobble. When we went to, uh, we went to the Sears Tower in Chicago one time, and and, uh, my wife and I did, and uh, it's called something else now, but we got up to that top floor. I'm not good with heights. I don't like heights. We got to that top floor, and you can feel the tower doing this number. Never again, folks. <laughs> Why? Because that movement can bring instability. I think about Mary and Joseph, and uh, now they're moving to Bethlehem to pay their taxes before they go home, and now Mary is going to have the child. There's some instability there, and I have, to, I have to pause for a second. Remember that I'm a dad, and I, and I have to think that the first dad joke happened there. I really have to think that Joseph at some point looked over at Mary and said, Mary, it's not as bad as you think. At least the baby is born in a stable environment. <laughs> you can boo. You can boo if you need to, all right? But uh, yes, terrible dad joke. Hey, Joseph said that, not me, okay? All right, but, but movement brings instability. We like predictability. We like to know what's going to happen tomorrow. We like to have uh, you know, no surprises, right? We, we like to know those things, but, but when things are moving in our life and, and, uh, and there seems to be chaos, it can bring instability. Movement can bring insecurity. Insecurity, uncertainty, anxiety, a lack of understanding of how to deal with situations. I remember when, when God was calling me to preach when I was 17, I, I remember being so insecure and thinking, God, I could never do that. I could, I could never stand up in front of people. I could never preach. I could, it was new territory. I had no confidence at all. It was a very insecure time for me because I felt like God is moving me to do something. God is moving me to, to be something that I don't feel like I can be. And so I, I don't know how I can do that, possibly. But uh, thankfully, God knew better than, than, than I did. But there was an insecurity. I mentioned a moment ago, I don't like heights. This is a little bit, this is okay for me right here. That's about it. All right. But I don't want to get on any ladder anywhere. 
I mean, I'm 6'2". I'm already scared of myself, all right? This is high up where I'm at. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like airplanes. I, I, I don't freak out on airplanes. I, I, I've come to the point where I'm like, well, I'm just going to die quickly if we fall. You know, like that's... But I don't like getting on a roller coaster where there's no sides and like you just see people as ants walk. I don't, I don't want to do that. I want my feet on the ground. I want security. We like security. We like job security. We like social security. We are people that want security. But movement changes that. So movement brings instability and insecurity, but movement can bring intimidation. Fear. You know, there's a fear that comes from just not knowing what comes next. I wonder what Mary and Joseph felt like when they had to leave their home because Herod said, I'm going to kill all babies two years old and under. There's some intimidation there. There's some fear there. And now they're moving, and, and no doubt there's some fear in their heart because of it. Uh, I, I moved, I think I mentioned this already, or I, I did the Sunday school class. On my, I just told you, I, on my 10th birthday, moving to Germany. Like there, there was a deep intimidation for me. I grew up in the same school. And so now i got to go to a Department of Defense school on a military base. And so now, and then I go to a German school, and I'm going to all these public schools, and there was a lot of intimidation there. During those mutant years, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. And, and uh, I just remember there was a lot of insecurity there. Sometimes God sets things in motion in your life. You say, well, well why? Why would God set things in motion to get you to move? Motion means movement. And so maybe you feel like life right now, there's instability with my, with my work. There's some insecurity there. There's some intimidation there. I don't know what's going on. I, 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 I'm feeling like God's moving me to do this at the church or do that. And, you know, and, and it's forcing me out of my comfort zone. What do I do about that? Well, I want you to see that Mary and Joseph did a couple things that I think were very wise. So just very practically today, if you feel like God is moving you to do something, maybe shaking things up, maybe rustling the nest a little bit, what do you do with that? Well, I want to say first of all here that I see in Scripture, and I think this is a good, just very brief thought for all of us, is to realize that Mary and Joseph didn't go anywhere without Jesus. They didn't go anywhere without Jesus. Well, God's moving me. What do I do? You don't move without Christ. That's what you do first. You make sure that, that you know that Christ is with you. Now, if you're here today and you're new and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's the first thing you got to do. First step, you got to Best decision you'll ever make, uh, you know, it's either hell or accepting Christ and going to heaven. No even close decision there. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. But you, you, we, what we see in Scripture here is that they decided, look, and they had to, right, as their baby. But I think the principle applies to us. Don't go anywhere without Christ. So many people, and I've seen this. Look, I don't know how COVID affected you. I don't know, I don't know what happened from 2020 to 2023 in your church. I, I, I don't know much about it. Uh, in our church, we lost a ton of people. Not to COVID. Not that, not, not that people died. And I'm not saying it was fake or anything like that. But a lot of people just said, I'm done with California. I'm done wearing these stupid masks. I'm done with this. I'm, I'm done with Newsom. I'm done with this. And they just, they, they just left. Some people had been thinking about it, praying about it. They're going to live with their family. I get it. But I think a lot of people just left. And it just forced them. And I wonder, did they go with Christ? When, when people just get upset about something and they leave church, did they go because of Christ? Was Jesus with them, leading them to do that? 
And so I want to encourage you, look, if, if God is working on you and moving you to do something, don't go anywhere without Christ. Make sure he is first. Now, if you keep reading the Christmas story, the only time that Mary and Joseph really got into trouble was when they left Jesus behind in the temple. And they're, and they're like, where's Christ? Where's Jesus? I thought you had him. I thought you had him. And, and, and they had to go back and find him. And for some of us, you know what? We try to live our lives without Jesus Christ, and we got to stop and say, hold on, this ain't working. This ain't working. we got to go back and find Jesus. Where do we, you know, of course, he's with you at all times. We get that. You're saved. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But we got to go back to where Jesus wants us to be. That's the thought. I want to say, secondly, what did they do? They, they didn't go anywhere without Jesus. But secondly, they allowed God to move them. Joseph and Mary allowed God to move them. Now, I want to be careful. That word allowed, it, to me, I, I thought about that word. Should I say that word allowed? But I, I think this. They allowed God to move them in this sense. If God is stirring you up and moving you to do something, you can say no. Now, he may move you anyway, but you had a choice. And, uh, and so he may say, yes, you said no, but like Jonah, he's going to say, well, let's just find a fish for you. You like swimming in, in, uh, you know, in the vomit of this fish? You can keep swimming there. Oh, no, I think I'm ready to get out. Then he vomits him on the shore. Like, God can, God can get you where he wants you, but wouldn't it be just, look, you're going to end up there one way or another. You might as well just say, God, whatever you want, however you want to move me, wherever you want to take me, whatever ministry I need to be involved in, that's what I'll do. They allowed God to move them. And again, Matthew, in, in the book of Matthew, the angel comes to Joseph four times and leads him, and he trusts his leading. And he found every time Joseph trusted what God said, he found that God can be trusted. Amen. And what I want to say to you today is that's the same thing with us. Every time you trust God, you will find that God can be trusted. Amen. Every time you trust God, you will find that God can be trusted. Amen. Every single time. Uh, I, I remember when I was in college, one of the, uh, uh, the, the professors was preaching a message. And he had a young boy at the time. I think the boy was six or seven years of age. And the, the message was about trusting the father. And this, this, this preacher brought up his son to the stage. And he had probably 50 or 60 mouse traps on the platform that were set. And there was a path where you had to walk this way, then walk this way, then walk this way, and walk this way. There was a path through it. And he brought his young five or six-year-old son up to the platform and put a blindfold on his son and pushed him into the traps. No, he didn't do that. Just kidding. <laughs> Just see if you're listening. But uh, he set his son there, and literally for 10, 15 minutes of the message, all he did was say, son, listen very carefully to my voice. Take two steps forward. And the son would take two steps forward. Stop, stop. Turn right. Oh, you turn too far. Go back. And for 15 minutes... He, we watched as this boy, and he made it through. All the girls were crying and clapping. He made it, you know. The guys were like, step on one, step on one, step on one. You know, this is different human beings, right? But I, I think about that, and I think, you know what? That boy listened to his father's voice, allowed him to lead him, and he made it safely through. Why do people end their lives in shipwreck and trouble? They're not listening to the voice of God. They're, they're not allowing God to lead them. 
They're fighting God. But every time you trust God, you find that he can be trusted. So what did they do? I didn't go anywhere without Jesus, first of all. Secondly, they allowed God to lead them. And can I say thirdly, let's look at our, our Bible here. They welcomed new things. Look, if you would, at verse number 15. It says here, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When God is shaking things up in your life, sometimes you just have to learn to roll with the punches. And that's what's happening here. Joseph and Mary, they knew that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, but they didn't get told he'll be born in a stable. I don't think they knew every Old Testament prophecy. So a lot of this was new to them. They're like, we didn't get the memo about some of this stuff. And so now here they are. And imagine this, ladies. Tell me how you'd feel if you just gave birth and a bunch of farmers, sheep herders, shepherds, dirty and grimy came in and said, everybody get in the room. Come on. No, they don't mind. They don't mind at all. Everybody get in here. All 30 of us. Let's gather around the mom and baby. How would you feel at Queen of the Mary if that happened? Look, my, my wife gave birth to four children. And uh, there were times, there there were some instructions I was given, such as this. No one comes in day one. (laughs) That was one of the instructions for one of our kids. Like, no one one gets in on day one. Like, I need to recover. There are all four C-sections. And it's like, hey, there's nobody that's getting in. I don't think that you would particularly appreciate, you know, if you just had a baby, a bunch of these guys coming in. But the angels told them. Go see the baby. And now here's Mary and Joseph in the stable. And it's like, okay, well, I guess we better accept these new people that were coming in. I remember when I got to the teen department, I was in uh, uh, probably 14 or 15. Uh, When I got serious about the Lord, I was about 16 years of age. And I remember being in the teen department at our home church in Illinois. And, uh, and And I had been there for like a year or something. And I was an older person in the youth department. It wasn't a big youth department. And two brand new guys started coming to our teen department. And I was just like, I do not want new friends. <laughs> you know, like I've already, I've already met these guys and I'm okay with most of them. I don't want new friends. And I just remember like, and I know it's selfish, it is. And I was, I was backwards and shy. And, and these two guys started coming to church. And I remember, okay, I started talking to them when we were out soul winning and teen activities and Sunday school, got, got to know them a little bit better. And uh, one of them was my roommate for three years at, at Bible college. Three years. I got to know him better than most people knew him. And I hate him to this day. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I love him. But uh, he's a youth pastor at my home church. Another guy, that, one of those guys, is working at another church that I know of, a friend of mine's church. And what happened there was God was introducing some new things into my life, and I had to learn to say, okay, I'll welcome that. And I wonder what God has introduced into your life. Maybe there's something new that is happening. Maybe there's been a diagnosis, a new thing, a new person. A a, a new job, a new situation, and what you have to do when this movement is coming is learn to accept them. We've got everything new to Mary and Joseph. They never had a baby before, probably never paid taxes before that we know of. They're giving birth in a stable for the first time. They're taking their baby to the temple. They had to adapt. So what do we do when when God is moving us, when, when we can't see the end results, and we don't know why this is in our life? 
Look, let me just give you an illustration very personal, okay? We drove up here. Uh, Tuesday night we had our Thanksgiving service, and we got in our, in our minivan, and we drove halfway to Kettleman City, and, uh, which is on the I-5 there. And we're pulling in at midnight to our hotel there. We normally just drive straight through, but we stopped, and we heard this rattling from our engine. And I, we had a Toyota. You know, Toyotas last forever, right? And uh, so I was like, okay, that's not a good sound. So the next morning, we're supposed to get up and drive three hours, three and a half hours, and be here on Wednesday morning, early. Well, we had to find a mechanic. So this whole thing happens. We finally get to Napa that day. I think it was four or five that afternoon. We find out that our, our engine is blown. Our, our van engine, it's sitting right down the road over here and uh, is requiring a brand new engine. And so we're finding somebody in the church that, that uh, can find an engine for us and replace it. And uh, so we rented a car. We're going to drive back tonight after church. I'm going to fly back in a week or so whenever it gets fixed and drive the van back. Say, well, why is all that happening? I have no idea. Sometimes when those things happen and, and God is, is moving things and, and God is allowing things, and you, you know, we don't always get the answers. You know what amazed me about Job? You read Job chapter 1 and, verse, and chapter 2, and you know why Job, Job went through what he did. Job had no idea why he, why he was going through what he went through. And so sometimes we don't get those answers. And so what am I doing? I'm looking to God and saying, okay, Lord, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what you're trying to tell me. I don't know what you're trying to move in my life, but I'm willing to move. I'm willing to move. So, new, And I'm not talking about moving locations. I'm talking about I'm willing to do what God's telling me to do. Quickly this morning, we're almost through. They allowed God to lead them. They, uh, they, they welcomed new things. But can I say, look at verse 19. Let's read this one here. Almost done. But Mary, the Bible says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I think this is a big one that a lot of people don't do. What do you do when there's a lot of movement in your life? What they did is they listened and they thought. You say, well, that's a simple thing. It's simple, but most people don't do it. They listened for God. They were listening to what's happening, and they took time to think about it. They're pondering things. I think for Christians, it's a big downfall. We don't take time to think about anything. And when God is trying to move you and get you into a certain position or get you to do something, oftentimes we fight him. We're not taking time to listen to what he wants. I remember when I was at uh, Gethsemane for just four or five years there, uh, my, the pastor that hired me had left to do other things in the ministry. And he said, Eli, you told me you'd give me five years. You've given me five years as, as youth pastor there. You need to go pastor. I was like, huh. I don't know that I feel that way. But he's like, you gave me five years. So, so you know, can I put your name out there? And then I went to speak at a youth conference, and the pastor pulled me aside and said, hey, uh, can I put your name out there to pastor? And, and uh, several people were like, you know, aren't you, aren't you going to go pastor? Is it time to go pastor? Is it time to go pastor? And I told everybody the same thing. I, I said, okay, you can put my name out there. And but people were like, well, you need to put your name out there. And I was thinking, how do you do that? How do you put your name out there? Hey, churches everywhere, I'm ready to pastor. Line up. No, I mean, like, what do you do with that? And all of these men I respected and loved, and I got their counsel, but I told everybody the same thing. I said, God has my phone number. I don't want to move unless God moves me. 
I don't want to go somewhere, do something, start something, and then find out later that's not what God wanted. Before you make a big decision, have you thought about it? Have you prayed about it? Have you gotten counsel about it? Because all of those things are right. I'll say lastly this morning, what they do? The last thing I see here, if you look at verse 21, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the, uh, of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is paid in the law, said the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So it was, it was recorded in the law of what you're supposed to do when a baby is born. But hold on, their life's chaotic. Hold, hold on, there, there's moving parts everywhere. They don't have to do the right thing, right? Because there's, it's It's chaos. No, what do you do when God is when when things are shaky in your life, when movement is happening? What you do is the next right thing. That's what you do. You do the next right thing. That's what they did. They went to church. <laughs> that, that's what they were doing. They, mo- they had to move away from their home. Yes, they were moved to give birth in a, ba- in a manger. And now there's this, uh, they don't have money to even give a proper sacrifice. Uh, they're, they're given the, the least amount that they possibly can because they don't have the money to do it. But what they do? They just did the next right thing. Well, my life is chaotic right now, and I don't know what God's doing in my life, and I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this situation has come into my life. I don't know why this person has done this thing in my life. What do I do? You do the next right thing. What's the right thing? You go to church. You get up and you read your Bible. You get up and you pray, and you go, you witness, and you give. That's what you do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We, we do know most of what we're supposed to do. And if we'll just do what we know we're supposed to do, God will tell you what to do in the things you don't know what you're supposed to do. That's how it works. I wonder what God's moving you to do. Maybe God has been stirring you up about the bus ministry. Maybe God's been moving in you about the well ministry. Maybe God's been moving in you to give something. Maybe God's been moving you to get involved in a way in which you've never been involved before. Maybe God's stirring you up because you need to grow in your faith and there's discipleship that needs to take place in you where you become more like Christ. But I wonder today, is God kind of rustling your nest a little bit? Does it seem like life is a bit chaotic right now where you're working all these hours and I don't even know what's going to... Well, maybe we could take time to do a couple things here that we see. We could remember that, hey, they didn't go anywhere without Jesus. They, they allowed God to lead them. They welcomed the new things that God was bringing into their life, the new people, the new things. They listened, they thought, and they just did the next right thing. I hope something practical here today can, can apply in your life. Because here's the thing. Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. They... I don't think Mary, as probably a young, uh, probably in the teenage years somewhere, I don't think Mary knew all the Old Testament prophecies of where Jesus would be born. But you see, God knew in his master plan that Jesus has to be born in Bethlehem. So what did he do? He stirs things up. And he gets people moving because he's got a plan. 
And I want to let you know that God has a plan in your life. God knows what you're going through. God knows what he's trying to do in your life. Let him do it. Let him do it.